It reads like a western, but it's based on the Mongatapu murders of 1866 when the notorious Burgess gang killed five men in a crime that shocked the young colony. In his novel, The Physician's Gun, John Evan Harris has woven a story around these historical events and his 15-year-old hero, Henry Appleton, who dreams of being a cowboy. John's also a screenwriter, a former TV producer and founder of Greenstone TV. Before you hear from him, William Ray reads from The Physician's Gun. Henry. It was June 10, 1866, a date Henry would never forget. He stood at his bedroom door, yawned and pulled on a shirt. His mother, a basket in her hands, was standing next to the photo of her husband, as she often did, with a faraway look in her eyes. Henry wondered if she was thinking of those happy days in England, when her handsome young husband swept her around the ballrooms of London. Or the ghastly months at sea, when she was so seasick she cursed the day she'd agreed to come to New Zealand. Or was she thinking of the rain-drenched evening when the men from the goldfields had emerged from the forest with a wagon carrying her husband's body? Move the tomatoes, will you please, Henry? She wrapped three eggs in a cloth and placed them in a basket with the tomatoes. These are for Dr Smith. Henry stiffened as he watched his tomatoes disappear. Why? We need the money more than he does. Henry, doesn't Christ say, Give and it will be given unto you? Yes, said Henry, who'd heard Bible verses since he was a toddler. But Isaiah says, Bring justice to the fatherless and plead the widow's cause. Who's looking after us? We look after ourselves, Henry. Henry slurped his milk and glared at the basket. I think I'll go to the goldfields. That's no place for an educated young man, father went, Henry retorted. His mother gave him a despairing look. And he died there, Henry. Stop it. John, I was reading that this project's been with you for a while, but you first wrote it as a film script. You still hope it'll make it to the big screen, but what made you decide to move it to a novel form? Um, I did spend ages researching and writing and um, in preparation for a film script. And I spent ages, in fact, trying to mesh the real facts with uh, my fictional characters. And I was very pleased with the end product of the script. But when I looked at it and showed it to a couple of um, experienced producers, they told me it would be very expensive to make a uh, historical movie. So I thought, while I've got all this facts and all the energy uh, in the story, I'd write a book. How hard can that be? Well, <laughs> I soon found out there was a whole lot of extra work to do. And in fact, one, one of the most interesting or difficult things I found was trying to leave behind my background as a journalist, where you you trim all the facts down, just the facts, and, uh, and then to expand it and to let my imagination run wild. So I really enjoyed the process, but it was quite a, a, a new experience for me. Of course, you would have all that sparkling dialogue from um, from your screenplay, but it is a different beast, isn't it, the novel? Absolutely, yes. It's uh, it's amazing how different it is. But the dialogue, um, it was wonderful because uh, Richard Burgess, the key um, antagonist in the story, he wrote a really extensive bit called his Confessions. So I've got access to his actual words, his actual phraseology, and that was a huge help. Well, I mean, as you say, this is very much rooted in history and one of our arch villains in New Zealand history, Richard Burgess and his notorious gang. Was that the starting point for it? I don't know, were you reading about them and then started to think, hey, I could create a story around this? Yes, look, 
It's it's really weird. I've been reading a bit about uh, evil and, and why we're attracted to it. I mean, there are so many television programs and films and books made about bad people. We're drawn to them like moths to a flame. But look, back in, in the late 19, uh, 1990s, <laughs> Paul Gittens, the actor from Shortland Street, who's become a close friend, um, he came to me with this idea for a television program called Epitaph, which is, for those younger people, it's the inscription on a gravestone. And it says, here lies so-and-so, met a grisly death. Well, we did um, several uh, TV series called Epitaph in which we explored how these people died and what happened. And often there were grisly murders and so forth, but um, some of them were very poignant. But one of the stories that stuck out was the Mangatapu murders, Richard Burgess and his gang. And that story stuck with me. So when I was looking for ideas against which to to write a, um, a fictional script, uh, that one popped up. And it's given me a very helpful basis to my story, a factual basis from which to launch out. And the story, who knows why, but look, there have been several books written about this and lots of articles and a couple of plays. And it's uh, it's amazing why it fascinates people, but it does and it fascinates me. But I, I've tried not to focus too much on the villains, but to use them as the starting point for a, an innocent uh, young kid who comes face to face with them and what he does. Well, Henry, he's had to grow up very quickly, hasn't he? He's lost yes. his dad early. And, of course, these are the 1860s. Life is really tough. Uh, his mum's doing the best that she can to keep the family together. But I don't know, is there anything of you in 15-year-old Henry Appleton, John? <laughs> Absolutely. Look, it's interesting. Um, when I first started writing fiction some years ago, um, someone told me, you've got to draw on your own experiences. And I, and I thought, no, 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 I can just invent things out of my head. But the more I got into it, they're absolutely right. I mean, Henry is, to all intents and purposes, me. I channeled 15-year-old me. Did you grow up wanting to be a cowboy? Because this is a big part of Henry's story, isn't it? He's fascinated it is. um, yeah. by the Wild <laughs> West. And I, mean, I, I love you have a, early in the book, you have him meeting his hero, Johnny Slick, who met Wild yeah. Bill Hickok at one stage, you know, and he knows all of the names. These dime books that he's reading, are they rooted in history as well? Oh, absolutely. Look, I'd love um, listeners to, to look into that because in the 1860s and right through to the early uh, 20th century, these dime novels were pumped out. Uh, they weren't comics, they, they were uh, texts, but they were written uh, to appeal to young people like Henry, um, mainly young men, but people who wanted a bit of adventure. And they were light, uh, light reading, easy reading, based in fact, but uh, in fact, my character, Johnny Slick, whom I love, incidentally, he, he was based on a real-life character called Colonel Judson, who, under the byline of Ned Buntline, wrote some 300 books in his life, as well as leading a really adventurous life. And Ned Buntline is the man who went out into the Wild West looking for stories, and he found a guy called William Cody, and he dressed him up uh, fictionally and became a, a Buffalo Bill. And they went into a partnership and had great adventures. But getting back to the question, cowboys, yes, I had a cowboy hat. I think every every young boy in those days, and girls probably too, did uh, look at cowboys. And we, we watched the, the movies about all those um, fictional characters. And in, in the early movies, the, the bad guys wore black hats and the good guys wore white hats, white horses. It was very simple in those days, but 
seem to epitomize the adventure of, of my era anyway. Now, your book is called, of course, The Physician's Gun, so we should talk about the physician. Now, Henry is very wary of him initially. His mum's sharing their their meagre rations with uh, the doctor when he rides into town. Uh, And no spoiler alerts, of course, but what can you tell us about Dr. Smith? Well, yeah, Dr. Zephaniah Smith. He's a good, clean-cut young doctor, but his wife was murdered in Australia. And so the doctor, who's sworn to protect life, in fact goes on the hunt to find the man who killed his wife. And although he keeps it a secret for a lot of the book, his intention is to find that man and to execute him. And that's something that appalls Henry because Henry thinks that the uh, the perpetrator should be handed over to uh, the sheriff to be tried. But in fact, the doctor is obsessed with revenge and admits that he can't get it out of his head when he finds the man, he's going to kill him. So that's one of the role models that Henry uh, looks up to or is, is given, given the fact that his own father has has died and he's got no strong male role models. So along comes the doctor, hell-bent on revenge, and then there's uh, Richard Burgess who, well, spoiler alert, he claims to be Henry's father. So there's another potential role model for, for Henry to follow or to reject. Well, yes, Burgess is very manipulative. In fact, when you have them uh, meeting early on, he's trying to compare himself with Robin Hood, or Robin Hood, I think is the way yes. you've written it, you know, as this great hero. But Henry, um, as much as he loves adventure, he's a smart kid. Yes, I think Henry, he, he's a plucky kid. And although he dreams of being someone like Wild Bill Hickok and, and romanticises about that and, and about having a gun and being a hero and he sees having a gun as being a man, when he comes face to face with evil in the form of Richard Burgess and he sees the damage um, and the carnage that that guns produce, so he quickly turns away from that. But Burgess, let's face it, he was he was a brilliant man. He was a psychopath, sure, but he was very clever. And even Mark Twain, who came to New Zealand a few years later and read what Burgess wrote, called him pretty much a a writing genius. You know, if he'd turned his mind to something good, he could have done some real good. In fact, he ended up being a penniless, ruthless, muddy, horrible man. I also like the fact that at the end of the book, you've got references and further reading. So, And you've, Mm. you've said that your hope that it's not only a page turner and a book that um, young readers would really enjoy, but it might encourage them to do their own research to find out more about the early um, European settlement years in Aotearoa. Yeah, absolutely. Look, I I got really um, enthralled with the the history of Nelson. A lot has been written about it and and of the the area, but um, that's my secret desire. I won't tell young readers about that, but I'm hoping they'll get so interested in the the story and the era and the characters, they'll do some research. And as you said, I've I've given a lot of um, references that they can go to their library or online. They can read papers past and they can read lots of things that have been uh, written about the area and get entranced and learn, learn a little bit more about the history. And uh, boy, there's a, there's a lot of material around. And I've, I've got to mention uh, a huge pair of books that were written by um, some Nelson historians, John and Hilary Mitchell. And they wrote the history of Maori in Nelson and Marlborough. It's called um, Te Tau Ihu o Te Waka. I, I use that a lot to find out what would it have been like for Pākehā and Māori to live in that area at that time. And uh, as you know, there's one scene there where I fantasise that Henry 
is visiting a deserted pa, uh, which has been wiped out not by muskets, but by influenza. We talked before about you being very visual, John, with your writing, and this is an illustrated novel, not to be confused with a graphic novel. It's not that, it is a novel, but there are illustrations. I think they're by Charles yeah. Cumming when, when I was going looking for yeah. the name all the way through. Why was that important to you? Because when I was a boy growing up, you, you, get, you get a book and you immediately turn to the pictures and they just add a little bit of or another dimension. And my, my brief to Charles was uh, do some sketches uh, in the same form as would have been done in those days. So some of the artists of the time uh, in the 1860s did, did do sketches of the discovery of the bodies uh, of the trial of um, all of those grisly things that happened. And so I said to Charles, do me similar things to that. And so he's done about 30 of them. They're really pleased with it. They add a, a wonderful dimension to the, uh, to the story. The Physician's Gun by John Evan Harris is published by Royal Emerald Publishing.